to have the partners of Copland, Keebler and Wallace with us today. Copland, Keebler and Wallace is a leading executive search and consulting firm providing services for the private club industry and a proud CMA business partner. They specialize in general manager, COO, director of golf, golf course superintendent, executive chef, racket sports professional, community association manager, assistant general manager, clubhouse manager, food and beverage directors, food and food fitness director searches, as well as strategic planning and consulting services for the private resort and developer-owned properties around the country. Welcome Dick Coplin, Kurt Keebler CCM, and Tom Wallace CCM CCE, the partners of Coplin, Keebler, and Wallace. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thanks, Melissa. We're so excited to have you guys join us. Um, and I think this conversation today will be really enlightening and helpful for our MMC attendees to hear, but also our wider podcast audience. So um, let's just get started and dive in with some of these questions. Um, we're going to do sort of round robin style. So Tom, we'll start with you. Um, what questions should a candidate be asking about the search process itself if they're you know, starting to look for a new position, if they're really interested in getting going, what kind of questions should they be asking? I think they, thanks, thank you for that question. I think they need to be asking kind of two-prong. One kind of from their perspective, what what do they need from a resume, thoughtful cover letter uh, perspective? How should they go about with our firm answering the questionnaire? Uh, what should their portfolio look like? What kind of behavioral testing might be involved? How many interviews before I would know whether or not the, the opportunity is going to be mine? And uh, is there going to be any presentation that I'm going to be able to make where I'm going to be standing up in front of uh, the leadership of the club? Those are the things that uh, are all part of our process. So if they don't know about those things, they should be asking us about those things and making sure they understand exactly what's expected. Uh, the second part, I would want to know what do we do what does kk and w do ahead of time and throughout the process uh, i would be asking about how much due diligence does kk and w go through is the profile really accurate uh, can i get access to the club's communications and uh, other things like that financials things that would be appropriate for me to understand to know the job uh, also uh, going back to what they need to be thinking about personally how many uh, references do I need when will the background checking be in place and if I'm offered the job will I have time to have the agreement or the offer letter reviewed by uh, someone on my side so really I think if you're working with us I, I would want to know from start to finish what has KKNW done to to really be able to be a chamber of commerce for this job and this club. And then from their perspective, what do I need to be ready to do to, so that I can perform well and get this position? That's a great answer, great. thank you. <laughs> We're gonna throw this next question to Kurt. So what questions should the candidate be asking about the club's board and its governance structure? You know, really good question, Melissa, and thank you. And I, I would tell you in our travels, I think Tom and Dick would probably both agree with me that the biggest dysfunction in the club world right now is the dysfunctionality of governance and the, the well-intended volunteer leadership of governance in a club. So that then leads me to that very first and basic fundamental question is how is the handoff from one board, one president, you know, one 
a committee structure, one board structure, how does that handoff go? Yeah, is it seamless? What could we, you know, what have you done to identify or improve it uh, over the last few years? Or is it just because that's the way we, we structured it 87 years ago when the club was first formed and we just assume that's the way it must always be? Very few of those sorts of things are static and successful in today's club world. So I would also say if I was a, a candidate, and you know, frankly, I wish I would have asked these candidates back when I was in the, the club management uh, day, my, my club management days, and you know, if I only knew uh, then what I know now sort of thing. But I'd also say, you know, how does the board transition? How does the nominating committee do its work to identify future volunteer leaders? And how do they vet them through to make sure as best one can that they have what's in the best interest of the club, not in the best interest of themselves as volunteer leaders. Meaning, how do you vet through whether or not somebody's got an agenda before they get elected or perhaps appointed to a uh, a committee? You know, understanding whether the the nominating committee has a a year-round structure or whether it's just done 30, 60, 90 days before the uh, the, the election takes place. And, you know, understanding how, how clubs have approached that and whether, again, they've, they've been thoughtful. That, you know, leads into, you know, do you have a leadership development committee for future leaders? Is there a pipeline to recognize who may have the right reasons or intentions for, for wanting to serve? Does the nominating committee have criteria that they utilize to identify those leaders rather than just taking somebody who raises their hand and says, I'd like to serve without really vetting through what their motivations are to the serving. I would also, you know, really break it down to the, to the fundamentals. How does the club look to uh, create and sustain its business plan? Meaning do you have a strategic plan? Does that, serve as the foundation for your annual business plan and therefore your budget who gets involved in that process is it a bottoms up or a top down you know budget uh, process because that will tell you whether the operators have been involved in the the creation and the decision making that goes into being able to execute and deliver on on expectations do you have a mission vision and core values and you know too often clubs say they do but they've, they've simply gone through the exercise of writing that stuff down on paper and never look at it again and they cross it off the list. A couple of other things that, that I, would, I would say would be, is there a thoughtful orientation or onboarding process for each of the volunteer leaders? Almost every high-performing club that we uh, visit or, or work with has a really thoughtful orientation process. Doesn't take for, for granted that uh, you know, people know what is expected of them. That then leads into, does the club have a well-defined roles and responsibility uh, matrix of any sort? Because, you know, we can't all have multiple bosses and the old joke in the club, you know, industry is I've got 400 members, so I have 400 bosses. Nobody's going to function and be successful in that sort of an environment. So, you know, do we have a process that identifies that? And then I think lastly, if I were a candidate, I really would like the board or the search committee or to whomever I'm interviewing with, tell me what a first year successful outcome looks like. You know, what will I have achieved or done? And is it reasonable as I evaluated them? 
that, those are the things, again, I wish I would have asked those kinds of questions back when I was going through a, a process like that, but those are the things I really appreciate or we really appreciate when candidates have been really thoughtful about their ability to be successful and aren't overwhelmed by simply the amenities that a club has and think, wow, that's a really cool clubhouse or a really cool golf course, but really don't think about how it functions. Absolutely. I think that brings a great point that the context into which a candidate would be walking is so important. Um, and those points about, you know, asking, you know, what are, what's the nominating process like? How do you vet potential candidates for the board? Um, I think actually goes into our next question quite well, which this is going to go to Tom. Um, but, you know, what kinds of questions should a candidate ask about the culture of the organization? I think so much of these these comments that Kurt made about the board feed into this larger philosophy of the culture at a club. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about those kinds of questions? Sure. And uh, like Kurt said, everybody says they have a mission vision. Uh, everybody says they have a great culture. Um, but one of the things that we do, why we spend so much time at the club meeting the team up front is because we really want to be able to tell candidates, here's what the, here's what the real culture is. I think the success of KKNW is that we try to give them the good, the bad, the ugly about the position so they know what they're walking into. We don't want someone to be surprised. But if you're not working with us and you don't have the benefit of us doing that due diligence, the, the things I always talk about is ask them for copies of their orientations see how they orient their members, see how they orient their team. Uh, that really tells you, see who's involved with the orientation. If the general manager isn't involved, if one of the board members isn't involved with the employee orientations, new employee orientations, that probably tells you something about that. Uh, training manuals, get a look at their training manuals, see who does the training, see if it's a group thing, if it's one person, see how that is. Uh, ask for employee surveys. You know, if you don't do any, that's a sign. If you do do some and you they're willing to share them with you, there's probably some good and bad stuff in there, but at least they're doing it and they're, they're trying to capture that information. The other thing is, uh, you know, more than anything, ask them about their feed. How do you get feedback from your employees? If you don't do surveys, how else do you get feedback? How else do you rec recognize them? How What are the programs? If they say, well, we do a Christmas party. Well, besides that, what other things do you do? throughout the year to make sure your employees know what well, do they do an employee of the month do they do uh, birthday cards for employees do they do birthday cakes just all the small little things every club has a little more money and a little more uh, potential to do different things but what do they do but if nothing else i would ask to talk to the hr person in charge spend some time if if he or she isn't involved with the interview that should say something but if they aren't involved ask to talk to them and if they are, I would tell you this, this is a bold statement, but I would tell you if the HR person is more involved with making sure the payroll is going through and making sure all the tax papers are good, I think that's a different type of HR person than someone who is actually out managing the human capital. We're, you know, the, the person within the organization that the employees count on to get their answers and to feel good about working there. So I think if everybody should tell you they have a great culture, but you have to really dig in. And I think you, you can do any one of those steps. If they can't do anything else, but if they have an HR person and you could sit down for 30 minutes, they'll, you'll have a good feel after interviewing them about what, what the culture of the club really is. And of course, there's two cultures. There's the member culture and there's the employee culture. But I think the most important one for someone who's getting a new job is if there's a great employee culture, it usually 
uh, it influences what the member culture is like. Absolutely. I mean, I would say that the culture conversation is one that yeah, I would never want to miss asking that question if I was looking for a job, um, because I mean, that's going to be your day to day. That's that's the world that you're going to have to exist in and live in. And if you hate it or if it's miserable or toxic, like you you're not going to be successful in that position in the long term. So knowing it's amazing how how few candidates ask that those questions about culture. And I mean, Kurt will tell you, very few people say so what's you know, and the best part is when someone asks a search committee, what is the culture here? They, there's just this this glazed look like now most of them are successful business owners and they can tell you the culture of their their business mm -hmm. but it's really difficult for search committee folks to really understand what their culture is so and quite honestly that's a question I've asked in interviews of GMs that are applying for new GM positions is tell me about your culture tell me about your orientations I want to know how much culture setting they do as a leader so it's important and probably right up there with governance uh, and understanding the process is something you want to talk about. Yeah, sure. no, I think that's a great, great response. So, um, Kurt, we'll throw the qu next question to you, and that's, um, you know, what are what club organizational fundamentals should candidates know before they accept the position? Yeah, and I think we've we've probably already touched on a bunch of them with our our conversations uh, to this point, but to perhaps be redundant or reiterate and add a, a few more, you know, I just, I don't know that Tom or Dick or I could underscore enough the importance of really understanding that culture and, and, and just, you know, as much due diligence as one can do, you know, getting in front of the board, the search committee, uh, the leadership team in general, you know, are we, you all have heard this at, as, as have I at uh, CMA conferences before, but we're always interested whether you are a high functioning orchestra, meaning we're all playing from the same sheet of music at the same pace and tempo with one collaborative maestro, uh, making sure that we're, we're functioning that way. Or are you, you know, that garage band that just can't, you know, you're not even playing from the same sheet of music and you're, you care not uh, at all about how other uh, departments are functioning. You know, getting into that sort of stuff is really important. Now, if it's not there, but they recognize that it's something that we'd like to achieve with your uh, selection for this this role, you know, that's great. As long as you know that going in, you know, what are the roadblocks that I may have to uncover? You know, clearly we're always interested, and in, in not everybody can share this with you. Not everybody knows truly what the what what the reality of it is, but you know, are there sacred cows in our organization that we have to work and function around? You know, can you identify where those are? I would, you know, fundamentally again gets back to: is there a strategic plan? What is the financial uh, wherewithal of our club? You know, I I am amazed at times when, and not so much in the last few years, as much as you know, say five years and further back managers would would tell us well yeah i took the job but i never saw the financials before i took the job you know you know you you you, you know you've, you've gotten reassured by somebody who probably doesn't even know the true financial picture oh we're in good shape we've got a full membership we're functioning fine and then you find out that you're upside down in in debt or your net worth calculation in this day and age you know you have a performance management system in place meaning do we have annually defined goals and objectives for the board, the committees, 
each of our major operating departments. Are they reasonable? Are they measurable? How often do we measure them? Who gets to develop them? Do they get handed off from one uh, term to the next? Or do they stop and start, depending on who's the loudest voice sitting around the table and says, this is more important now is their thoughtfulness as to how all that go. Just about every, and I think it, it's kind of reflective of a new generation of, of board and committee members now. They're younger, they have more expectations in their own businesses. So they therefore are, have more expectations of us as managers, knowing that we're measuring our success, not just saying, trust me, it's working fine. You know, how do we measure what's out there? So what are the KPIs? Who knows what these mean? Are we doing a good job? Are you doing a good job to explain to your, not only your board, but your, your membership, what, why these KPIs should be important to you? You know, beyond food costs, which everybody looks at, or labor costs, what are the other KPIs? Are you using club benchmarking so that you've got some broader base rather than just saying, well, the club down the street does this or does that? Do you have a broader picture of, of understanding um, all of those sorts of things? So I would really get down to um, all, of, all of those fundamentals. I, I talked previously about a roles and responsibilities matrix. Do you really know who's responsible for what? And is that ingrained in the culture of our organization? Or is it just depending on who's sitting in the president's chair or who the committee chair is or who the department head is? Do we function consistently throughout the the whole organization. And then lastly, you know, I'd, I'd want to know fundamentally what's working really well that if I'm selected for this role, I can look to further enhance because it's already really good. And what is in your eyes not functioning as well as it should be, and therefore it would be part of my prioritization plan. And, and do we really know accurately, because we have data to support it, that, you know, whatever you're telling me is, is true, not just your opinion, but you know, a more thoughtful data-based uh, 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 review of, of uh, you know, why it is what it is. So I would look at those primarily. You know, I'm also always interested in tenure. You know, what's been the stability, not only of the leadership team, but the, the tenure and, you know, how many, if you've got nine board members and they're serving three-year terms staggered, how many of them run for another three-year term if your bylaws allow them to do so? Are you a club where, where people say, oh my God, I'm glad that's over, or oh my God, it was such an honor to be serving. I would love to continue to serve in this because it's not heavy lifting. I'm here to support, advocate, and, and so on. So those two to me are sort of fundamental tell signs that we're always looking for. If, if I can add one more curve, I, I think, and it kind of bridges between fundamentals and the culture, is what's the history of the club producing great managers you know mm -hmm. does the club produce great assistant pros that go on to be great pros and superintendents and chefs and assistant managers as well how many assistant managers have gone on from that club to become great general managers uh, i think that's an important cultural thing as well but just a fundamental are you a teaching club is this a club that's known for developing talent and putting it out into the industry all right we've talked a lot about things to ask, things to look for. I think we've covered a few red flags, but Dick, I want to throw this one to you. What other red flags should candidates watch out for in the job search process? Well, well, thanks, Melissa. And I just have a question about structure for the day. Do you, do you typically save the best to last? Is that typically your format when you do these? Totally. Oh, Absolutely. 
Uh, just kidding. Uh, I thought the guys were great. I, I uh, always learned some things from them, but they've touched really on the with a couple of red flags, I would suggest. They also talked about culture a lot. I just want to quickly give you my definition because sometimes you hear these esoteric definitions of what the culture of the club is and people say, well, what, you know, what are you really talking about? My definition is quite simple. It's how we do things around here. So you can learn a lot uh, about a club if you just ask how they do certain things. But two red flags, I would say, and, and Kurt mentioned this one already, um, the turnover, I think, of senior managers or the, the tenure, I would say, might be the positive way to look at it. Not only for the general managers that the club has had in the past, but what about the other department managers, the golf pro, the superintendent, the chef, how long have they been at the club and what's the turnover ratio? That'll tell you a lot, I think, about the culture of the club. And then the second thing I would ask is, oh, tell me about your strategic plan. And if they have a strategic plan, great. You'd want to really know what that's about and, and how seriously they take that. If they don't, uh, that's a red flag in my view. If, or if they're not willing to at least uh, partake in that process. If you can ask, well, if you don't have one, are you comfortable with my helping and assisting you and leading you through that process? So those would be the two red flags I would outline. I, I won't go any more, but I think those are two that would certainly be important to me. I think, I think that's a great point. Yeah, I was going to say, I think um, actually what you said about if you, you're asking about the strategic plan, but then the, the follow-up to that question of if you don't have one, are you comfortable with me coming in and helping implement one, I think is a great question for a candidate to ask. I mean, I'm not an expert in job search <laughs> at all, but as someone who likes to be seen as a go-getter and a self-starter, um, somebody who's interested in growth and development, I think that coming in is, and saying, like, I would love to work on this with this organization. I would love to help put together a, a strategic plan could play really well <laughs> in your favor. I agree. Well, I was going to say, we have one more question, um, and, and this is a question we're going to ask for all of you. And, and I think the unique um, conversation that we've had with you today really leverages all of your experiences both as club management professionals and on the recruiting side. So I, I think we've we've learned so much, but you know, to all of our listeners and, and to all of our folks attending the mid-management conference, you know, what is the best piece of career advice that you would offer them today? Um, you know, we're, we're definitely in unique circumstances, but let me, let me go to Tom first. Sure. Uh, well, I have a couple things. One, first and foremost, just be self-aware. Know, be, be able to admit what you do know and what you're great at and be able to admit where you need some development. I think all too often young managers want to come into interviews and tell, tell someone they're ready to do any and everything. They, they understand it. D don't do that. You, everybody's learning. I learn stuff every day. Kurt's learning stuff every day. Dick just mentioned he learns things every day. So be self-aware enough to admit what you know and admit what you don't know. I think more than anything, managers, hire, people that are hiring want to just know that you're capable of admitting, I'm great at these things, I could use some work in the, these areas, but I'm going to, whatever you need me to do, I'm going to figure out a way to get it done. We're in the leadership business, whether we're hiring a chef, a superintendent, an assistant manager, we're looking for leaders, and great leaders are self-aware. The other thing I would warn uh, mid-managers is, if you're not being developed, don't stay too long at that organization. If you've made a mistake, you've gotten into an organization that's not developing you, I'm not saying leave tomorrow. I'm saying put a plan together, 
to get to an organization to go work for someone that's going to mentor you. It doesn't mean they're going to put you in a, a higher paid position. You may not even have a titled position, but someone that's including you in meetings, get in the board meetings, get in the committee meetings, develop the budgets. You want to be with someone that even if they can't pay you as much, but they can give you the experiences that you're lacking, that, that's a better job for you than getting a, a blue sport coat and a title, but you're really stuck in that position for two or three years. So if you're not learning, get make a plan to get to a place that's going to help you develop and, and make sure they're including you in all the experiences that you're going to need to have to make the next step in your career. I love that. I just want to make a quick note. One of the things I, I, I say often, Melissa and I talk about delegation, right? Like delegation is a thing that <laughs> supervisors can, can do for subordinates. And I think it's important to be able to work for someone who can delegate you tasks because you can learn that way. But it's also important to work for someone who will delegate you opportunities. And I think you just you tapped on that exactly when you say they may not be able to give you a title or a promotion or a raise specifically, but they can get you into those rooms where decisions are being made so that you have access to that experience and ultimately gathering that experience can help you so much in the long run. So that delegation of opportunity is so important. Yeah, it's, it's one of the big things that an assistant manager is always lacking when they're trying to make that jump. It's not necessarily skills or education. It, it, it's always experiences. And, and if you could say, I've been sitting in a boardroom for two years, I haven't been leading them, but I've been sitting and listening or I've been part of the budget process, it does go a long way. And if you're a very talented assistant manager and you've at least been a part of those experiences, it does go a long way. Absolutely. Kurt, do you want to take the next answer? Yeah. And, you know, interestingly, Dick and Tom and I did not uh, talk about our response to this. You know, we knew you we were going to ask us this question, but we didn't coordinate our responses. So I had number one on my list is figure out who is a great mentor and find a way to go work, you know, for and with a great mentor. And, and just what you're talking about, in my early career, I was the AGM at the Gross Point Yacht Club at, I don't know, 26, 25, 26 years old. And I went to Lindy Mills, the GM at the time, and said, what do you guys do in the boardroom? Because, you know, I, they were, you know, the very, you know, the Commodores and the Vice Commodores and Rear Commodores at this iconic nationally recognized yacht club. You know, when they close the door, what goes on in there? You know, what are you talking about? And, and you know, I said, Lindy, I want to sit in your chair one day. Is there any chance I could go I'll be a fly on the wall. I promise you, I'll never say a word. And and he said, of course, come on in. So, and, and that really set me up for success a couple of years later when I got my, my first GM job with his strong uh, encouragement. But, you know, understanding, you know, who it is that you're going to work for, understanding board and uh, committee volunteer leader dynamics and how do you get things as, as i always say how do you get things done with and through well-intended volunteer leaders you know they they all have opinions they all have expectations and priorities but how do you how do you get them focused in a positive direction reminding them that we're ultimately not here to promote our individual agendas or or thoughts we're here to support what's in the greater good which may or may not impact me, my family, and, and anybody who's part of my membership. They don't teach you that in 
you know, at you know my Michigan State uh, hospitality school, Penn State, Cornell, they don't teach you that. Maybe they do now, but um, you know, I find that that's probably the biggest area that people need to get better at understanding those dynamics and how you make that that all happen. You know, as, as we always say, you know, how do you how do you be successful in a feedback rich environment? <laughs> you're you're going to get a lot of input on it all. The other couple of things that I would suggest is, you know, I was a deer in the headlights, quite frankly, in my first finance committee meeting. And I see a lot of young managers who think that because they took accounting 101, 202 and and the 400 level accounting courses, they understand you know, club, club accounting dynamics and the things that often come up in there, you know, you can't spend enough time, you know, getting your financial acuity tuned up. And ultimately, as Dick has always said, you want to be the person giving the financial report in the uh, finance meeting, in the board meeting, is if you download that to somebody else, to your treasurer, to your CFO or controller, you've now uh, allowed somebody else to be the leader in the clubhouse so to speak, in that particular environment. Lastly, I would tell you, you know, oftentimes, and I, you know, I probably had this as I was a young manager, I wanted to go work at the iconic club without really digging into whether or not I'd like living in that area. You know, is this an area that in the half of my life that I'm not at work, am I going to enjoy living here? You know, because if you're miserable in the time that you're out of work, it doesn't matter how good the alignment for the job is, it doesn't, doesn't matter. You know, look real hard at that. Who will you be working for? As Tom has noted uh, several times, what's their track record for developing you? Don't necessarily look at the title, but look at the outcome or the, again, as Tom said, the experiences. I think those would be my biggest bits of, of advice. You know, do your homework. They're doing their homework on you, hopefully. You should be doing your homework on them just as, as thoughtfully. Absolutely. Okay, Dick, your turn. Uh, I have three very quick and simple strategies that will, I think, separate you from the other folks in the club management world and hopefully propel you to the top 2%. Number one, always be 15 minutes early for any meeting, anywhere, any appointment. Number two, return phone calls immediately. And number three, make your pick six, pick six list every night before you leave the office write down the six things you'd like to accomplish the next day. And then after you've done that on the right side, letter them according to importance. A being the first task, B the second, right through uh, A, B, C, D, E, F. And then the next morning you go in and you start down the list. I promise you if you do that, you will be amazed at, at how uh, well your day goes and, and how much you can get done. So just three little quick strategies that I think would be a help to anybody who wants to get to that top two percent i love that melissa was fist pumping the b15 yes, I was, early but i was i i, I, like I truly believe i love the, the always being on time and i it, you know it's so respectful and i, I love the list and you I should see lists. my smile so um you know i'm, I'm very I'm queen with of you lists so, yeah we are we are the queen of lists and spreadsheets here so um we love that and so you know, we cannot thank you enough for joining us today and really sharing um, your experiences. You know, we know that well-informed, inquisitive job candidates make better impressions and decisions in their job search. So I hope that everyone has found something to take away um, and be enlightened with with today's discussion. So we cannot thank you enough for being here with us. Yeah, we so appreciate thank you. Thank you. Our pleasure. Thanks for yeah, having me. Thank you both.